Praise the Lord. It's good to see everyone that is here today. And uh, sorry we're starting a couple minutes late. Um, I want to start a new series this morning. Um, we're going to be going for the next four weeks on this series, and that will get, get us pretty much into the end of November. Um, and then we've got about three weeks after that, and in those three weeks we're going to do a Christmas series um, and talk about the true meaning of Christmas. Amen. And that'll bring us to the end of the year. So we are nearly at the end of the year, folks. I can't believe that it's taken, um, taken that long. Amen. It's, the year has just gone so fast. Um, it feels like just a little while ago, it was uh, January, and yet here we are. Um, I want to take this opportunity to remind you that General Conference is happening in Canberra this year. It's our first in-person conference um, that we've had for two years, thanks to COVID. So it's been three years since we've all been together. Um, so I want to encourage you, if you can be in Canberra from the 2nd to the 6th of January, it will definitely be worthwhile. It's going to be an amazing atmosphere, an amazing time in God's presence, preaching, teaching of the word, amen. It's going to be great. But this morning I want to begin a new series and we're going to talk about a heart of worship. Turn to the person next to you and say a heart of worship. A heart of worship. Why are we talking about worship? Worship is important because no program can ever take the place of a sovereign move of God. And it's worship that brings that around. Amen. Uh, God can do in five seconds what it takes us uh, a lifetime to do or what we could never do. Amen. God can do um, anything. Nothing is impossible for God. Amen. And, and part of um, having that is understanding the importance of worship. We want God to move. We want to feel His presence in our lives. We want to have Him move in our church services, but worship, if you like, is the key to unlocking that. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the importance of worship, about having a heart of worship. Yes, we can praise. And we often use the two terms, praise and worship, sometimes interchangeably, sometimes we just kind of put them together. But praise is very different to worship. Praise can be given to so many different things. You know, we can praise our kids. If our kids do a good job, we praise them. You know, we can praise our football team. Didn't they do an amazing game last week and they just did so well? We can praise our husband or our wife. You did such an amazing job mowing the lawn. You just cooked an amazing dinner, darling. You know, we can praise other things other than God, but worship, Worship relates only to the divine. You don't worship anything else other than God. And this is why when you study the book of Revelation, you have a look at what's going on there. You see over and over and over again the beasts, the dragons, the serpents. They, they all want people to worship them, not praise them. The devil doesn't care who you praise. He does care who you worship though. This is why in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, we see that Satan tempted him with the kingdoms of the world and said, all of this I will give you if you fall down and worship me. He didn't say if you fall down and praise me, because Satan doesn't care about praise. Satan wants the worship. And so he said to Jesus, I will give you the kingdoms of the world if you fall down and worship me. Because Satan knows that if he can get you to worship him or worship anything else, then he has you right where he wants you. 
That's why he doesn't want your praise. He doesn't care what you praise. As long as you're not worshiping God, Satan is happy. And so as disciples, as believers, we ought to have a heart of worship. We ought to have a desire from within us to worship God. In the book of John, chapter 4 and verse 23, why don't we turn there this morning? And I've got quite a few scriptures, so we'll just, I want you to read this one, and this is the one I'll get you to turn to, because this is kind of our key scripture. Excuse me. John chapter 4. Verse 23, say amen when you're there. It says, but the hour comes and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. We often focus on the spirit and the truth part of that verse, but notice the Bible says that the Father is seeking for people to worship him. That's what God is looking for. And so as believers, we ought to want to worship God. In the book of Revelation, the Bible tells us that John falls down in worship before an angel, and the angel stops him and commands him and says, worship God. Because worship is reserved only for God. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 20, we read the Bible says that the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that lived forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. Throughout the Bible, we see worship as being related to God. Over and over in the Psalms, for example, we read things like this. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill. Excuse me. We will worship at his footstool. I will worship towards your holy temple. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. All the earth shall worship him. He is the Lord, and worship thou him. Over and over again in the Bible, we see that people give worship to God. We see that people are corrected when they're not offering worship to God. We see that the Father is seeking for people to have a heart of worship, to worship Him, amen. And so it is fair to say that God is seeking our worship, that He requires our worship. It's fair to say that He is worthy of our worship, that He desires our worship. It's also worth pointing out that He is jealous of our worship and that He wants it all for Himself. And so that's why... Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to worship God. Because we need to have a heart of worship. Everything we are as disciples comes from having a heart of worship. Amen. Turn to the person next to you say, worship. Worship. Amen. Here's the first point I want to give to you today. You ready for this? Number one. Worship flows from divine revelation. Worship flows from divine revelation. We will only ever grow 
our level of worship as we grow our perspective of God. I'm going to say that again. How we view God in our mind, who God is to us, puts a cap on how much we can worship God. If we have a low view of God, we will have a low level of worship. If we have a high view of God, we will have a high level of worship because we will only ever grow our level of worship as we grow our perspective of God. As the pastor, as much as I would like to, I cannot lift the church to a higher than your perspective of God. As a church, we sit at wherever our highest perspective of God is, and I can't change that. I can change it in my life. I can control it in my life. Brother Freddie, why don't you go straight on out to you, bro? They're waiting for you. Let you go, bro. Come on. You can do it. Well done. You know, we, we, can't, we, can't, I, we can't. Our church will be stuck at the level of our perspective of God and stuck at our level of worship. And what that means is that we must all learn to be students of God. We cannot rely on just coming to church to learn about God. We cannot rely on just hearing the pastor teach you about God and about who He is and why it's important to serve Him. But every single one of us, every man, woman, boy, and girl, in our own way, we have to be students of God. Amen. We have to study God. We have to learn all about Him. See, here's the thing. We can know the doctrine, but not know how to worship. We can know what the Bible teaches, but not know how to worship God. We can know what we stand for. We can know what we stand against, but not know how to worship God. We can have the right songs. We can have the right music. We can be a part of the right organization, but not know how to worship Him. Because you cannot worship what you do not know. Because worship flows from divine Revelation. The more you know about God, the more you will be able to worship Him. Our worship cannot grow past our level of perception and our concept of God. How we see God in our mind is where our worship will be capped at. Because worship is always the result of revelation. Worship is not about facts. It's not about figures. It's not a result of observation or something that you can see. It's not a revelation of common truth, but it is a revelation of who God is, that He is the creator of the universe, that He is our Savior and our Redeemer, that He is the mighty God, that He is the everlasting Father, that He is wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace. The only way we will worship God is if we understand what those words actually mean to us. And they're not just words we can say, but we actually understand what does it mean that God is my Redeemer and how should that affect my life. Amen. So it is only a result of divine revelation. The more we understand God, the more we can have a heart of worship, the more we can worship Him. 
And so because we can only ever truly worship God in spirit and in truth, we must become students of God. We must seek to have Him more involved in our life. We cannot just rely on a Sunday hit in our relationship with God. But we have to seek Him every day of the week. We have to seek Him every hour that we're awake. We need to be conscious that, hey, God is part of my life and I'm in covenant relationship with Him and He is interested in the things that I get up to in the week, interested about my thought life, interested about what's going on in my heart, interested about the people I spend time with and the things that I allow to have influence in my life. Amen. We need to understand that God has to be involved in our life. We can't just shut Him in the Sunday box and leave Him there. No, because worship flows from divine revelation. Our level of worship is determined by our grasp of God's greatness and not scriptural truth. I'm going to say that again. Our level of worship is determined by our grasp of God's greatness and not scriptural truth. Why do you think a new convert who has just repented, just been baptized, just been filled with the Spirit, can throw their hands up and worship God with sheer abandon. And someone who's been living for God for 20 years struggles sometimes. Why? Because their concept of how great God is, is so clear in their mind. God just saved me from my old life. I'm a new creation. I'm a a brand new man. And so they don't know all the doctrines. They don't know everything. They can't quote the articles of faith. They don't know any scriptures. They just love God, and they know God loves them. And their revelation of how great God is propels them to worship. Amen? Amen. Our level of worship is determined by our grasp of God's greatness and not scriptural truth because worship has only to do with the nature and the person of God. It's got nothing to do with the performances of God. We don't worship God because of what He does. We worship God because of who He is. Amen? Israel blessed the Lord for what He did, but Moses worshipped God because of who He was. One of them knew the works of God, but the other one knew the ways of God. One of them knew the things that God did. The other one, Moses, knew the reason why God did the things that he did. And that is the difference. Why does God allow us to experience his presence? Why has God saved us? Why does God heal us? Why does God give us his spirit? Why does God allow us to continue to live and breathe so we can shed the spread the gospel when you begin to understand the why it helps you begin to worship because you're no longer just blessing God for what he did but you understand hang on I know why God did what he did amen Moses had a revelation of God which is why he had no problems worshiping God now I've asked you this question before Who knows who P.L. Travers is? Hands up if you know who P.L. Travers is. Travis. P.L. Travers. Sister Janie, you know who it is? Anyone else know who P.L. Travers is? P.L. Travers is an author. She wrote a book by the name Mary Poppins. Who's heard of Mary Poppins? Hands up. 
Okay, most people here have heard of Mary Poppins. See, most people have heard the story. Perhaps most people have even seen the movie, and there's been a few of them. You might know some of the lines. You might know some of the songs. You might even sing them sometimes. You know, is it a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down? You know, I do what I like, and I like what I do. You know, we might be able to quote lines from the movie. We might be able to quote lines from the book. But why is it that not many people know who the author is? Hello? You see, you realize that we Christians can often be the same way with God. We know his book. We can quote lines from his book. We know the story of David and Goliath and Samson and Paul and his shipwreck and how he shook the snake off into the fire. You know, we, 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 we can quote it, but do we know the author? The Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Do we know the author of the book? We quote from the book. We know the stories from the book. But do we know the author of the book? Brothers and sisters, we need to have a desire to get to know the author of the book, not just the book itself, amen, because true worship will only come from divine revelation. Our worship will only be as great as our knowledge and our understanding of God. Now, who knows everything there is to know about God here? Not me. So we can always grow our worship. And we can always grow our understanding and our knowledge of God. Someone say amen. Amen. Second point. The first point was worship flows from divine revelation. The second point I want to give you this morning is this. You ready? Praise is momentary, but worship is eternal. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying... We shouldn't praise. You know, I, I like to praise God. And we should praise God. It's right to praise God, to thank Him for the things that He has done in our life. And He has done so much for our life. He's done so much for me. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure when we get to heaven and we get into His presence and we begin to see a bit more of the other side of the view of our life than what we had down here, I'm pretty sure we'll find out a whole bunch of different things that God did for us that we either didn't know or we completely forgot to thank Him for. Because He's so gracious to us. You know, so I'm not saying praise is wrong, but, but, but praise is focused on the here and the now. Praise is... is Praise will never get you the lasting victory because praise is momentary. It means that it's, it's based on time. Because praise has to do with things that are based in time. Right? We praise God because He healed us. We praise God because of He gave us a new job. We praise God because He helped us meet our bills. We praise God for touching us. We praise God for His presence in our church service last Sunday. We praise God for helping our family. But notice that every single one of these things have to do with matter and time. They're bound by they're either something physical or they're bound in time. Something happened on a specific time. And so we praise God for that. Amen. And, and these are all things that change. We praise God for helping us pay our bills this month. But what if he doesn't help us next month? 
Maybe he does, and we praise him again. But these are all things that can change. These are all things that are not solid. They're not secure. They're things that can fluctuate. They can be good. They can be bad. They all change. But worship transcends that. Worship goes beyond that, far beyond that, because worship deals with the one who does not change. Worship lifts us to a level that deals with God and God alone. We don't worship God for the things that He does, remember. We worship God because of who He is. Amen. And so when we are on that level and we're dealing only with God, the Bible says that God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we worship God, it's never out of style. It's never out of date. And it deals with eternal issues. Things that don't change, don't change as opposed to just temporary things. And so when we step past praise and into worship, we step into the eternal. We step into something that does not change. And, and, and this is why it can be hard to praise God when things are going wrong in our life. You get out of bed, you step on the cat, the cat scratches your nice new dress into ribbons. You know, you're frustrated with the cat, you kick the cat across the room. Then you've got a hefty vet bill you've got to take to the cat. You're late to church. You arrive at church. Your car breaks down after church. Everything is going wrong. And it's hard to say, Lord, I praise you for all the wonderful things you're doing in my life. But in your head, you're like, I don't see anything wonderful that God's doing right now. Amen. Hello? But when we worship God, it takes us beyond the level where things are going wrong in our life. See, praise leaves us on that level. Praise leaves us in the momentary. Praise leaves us in the temporary. But when we are at the praise level, we're looking around for the answers to our problems. But when we worship, we are lifted into an eternal perspective. We begin to see things like God sees things in our life. We begin to get a perspective that we don't have on this earth when we worship God. Amen. And all of a sudden, it doesn't matter anymore if there's an answer coming or if there's no answer coming. It doesn't matter if God bails me out or God doesn't bail me out because worship is based on His nature and not His actions. It doesn't matter what God does or does not do. He is still my defender. He is still my help. He is still my strength. Amen. He is still the King of kings and He is still the Lord of lords. And through worship, we gain an eternal perspective on life. Amen. This is why Job could say, in the midnight, you look at Job's life. If anyone could look around and say, I got nothing to praise God about here, that would be the guy. But yet Job's attitude was, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Why? Because he had a different perspective to everyone else around him his perspective was on the eternal amen this is why David could say in the middle of his situation he was able to say the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid why could he say that because he understood that it didn't matter what was going wrong 
God was still his light. God was still his salvation. Amen. And so when we get our eyes off the temporary surroundings that we live in and we focus onto the eternal God that we serve, everything around us, Paul puts it like this. He says it just seems like a light affliction. It's just a light affliction. So worship enables us to transcend this world around us and it brings our focus into the eternal and focused on the only one who matters and that is God. This is why, my brothers and sisters, we have to learn how to worship God. The first point, worship flows from divine revelation. We have to grow in our understanding of who God is because it is worship that will sustain you and keep you. Everybody can praise God when things are going right. When there's money in the bank and your car's not broken down, your kids are doing well in school and, and everything's going hunky-dory and a-okay, we can praise God because we can see God at hand and, and moving in our life. But just because He might choose one time to remove His hand of blessing from our life to allow us to go through a season of trial and a season of testing it does not change who God is and it is an immature Christian who doesn't understand that it is an immature Christian who says well God's not blessing me so I've done something wrong so I'm just going to forget about God and go do my own thing amen this is why we have fair weather Christians they're the ones that come to church when things are going great and they leave God when things are going bad Hello? But it is a mature Christian who understands that it doesn't matter if God is good to me or God seems to be ignoring me. It doesn't change who God is. He is still my Savior and still my Redeemer. And we understand that it wouldn't matter if God did nothing else for us ever again. He is still worthy of our worship. He's still worthy of our devotion. He's still worthy of our dedication to Him. Amen. Amen. And so as we grow our concept of God and who He is to us, then we will grow in our level of worship. And it is that worship that will sustain you when things are going bad in your life. We go through seasons. We all do. We have seasons where things are up and we have seasons where things are down. That's life. But when we understand who God is and we have a heart of worship, it sustains us in those times because we can still worship God and have our attention and our focus fixed on the one who does not change. Someone say praise the Lord. Amen. Third point. This will be my last point for today, I think. I think we'll leave it after this. For next week, the third point. That I want to bring to you this morning is this question. Do you admit, admire, or adore God? Do you admit, admire, or adore God? Excuse me. To admit something. To admit in the dictionary. It means to acknowledge or to confess, to consider or grant, to allow or to leave room for, but to acknowledge the possibility while not accepting the probability. 
right, to admit. Now, there are plenty of people out there who will admit that there is a God. But they'll leave the possibility open that perhaps he's not as involved as what we think he might be. There are plenty of people out there who admit that there is a God, but they don't accept him. Oh, yeah, there's a God. You talk to these people all the time. You go down the streets, you talk to people. Are you a Christian? Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Do you go to church? No. Do you live for God? No. Do you read your Bible? No. Okay. So how are you a Christian? Oh, I believe there's a God. Okay, great. What are you doing about it? Not a Christian. They admit God, but they don't allow Him into their life. They don't accept Him. Amen? They admit the existence of a supreme being. There's other people out there. They say, oh yeah, I believe in some cosmic power, you know, who's out there, some being who's supreme and above all, but they don't allow him to rule their lives. I mean, that's just funny, isn't it? How can you say, I believe in a supreme being with the right to rule everything, but he's not ruling my life? It just doesn't make sense, does it? But that's, that's, that's what it means to admit they, they won't accept the right of that being to rule over their life. That's admit. Admire. Excuse me. To admire means to hold in high regard, to regard in wonder or delight. It means to like, to marvel at someone's ability to perform or to accomplish certain feats. And, and we all have admiration. You know, you watch, um, just trying to think what I saw the other day. We were down at the Esplanade the other day and there was a guy down there with fire sticks and twirling them around and doing all sorts of crazy things with them and you know, and I admire that. It's not something I can do. I don't have a talent for that. I'd probably set what's left of my hair on fire if I tried to do something like that. You know, and, and so we admire things, amen, and we, we can admire things. And, but, but there are people out there who admire God. Yeah, God's pretty good. He's done some pretty bang-on stuff. He's a pretty good guy, top bloke. Hello? He's pretty amazing. You know, they, they, they admire God, but they've never adored God, which is kind of the next thing. We'll get to that in a second. They admire God. It's like marriages that are built on admiration, but void of adoration. A marriage is built on admiration when all you're doing is looking at your husband or your wife and just admiring the things that they do. What happens if they stop doing that? You know, what, what if Sister Janie just admired me? She married me because she liked my hair. And now it's starting to run out. What would happen if she just admired my hair? She didn't adore me for being me because I'm adorable. Trust me. <laughs> Amen. Marriages that are built, they're not going to last. We know that, don't we? When we just admire our wife because she's a good cook, but that's all we care about. We admire our husband because they look good, our wife because they look good. When they get older, a little bit rounder, <laughs> hello? <laughs> right? Admiration, it's not enough, amen? In religious relationships, then, we admit that there is a God, and we admire some of the stuff that we read about Him. But we've never reached that high pinnacle of adoring God. Adoring. Now, to adore means to love greatly, to 
honor highly, to, to idolize, to worship as divine. That's what it means to adore. So, so ask yourself again, do you admit God, admire God, or do you adore God? Do we admire God like we admire a sunset? Like, isn't that a beautiful sunset? Isn't that a beautiful thing that God did today? Do we admire God like a nice view from a lookout, like a, like a good song? Or do we admire Him like someone who has a talent or a fast horse or a nice car? Do we admire God like, like we do people for their accomplishments or for their successes? As a church, we must move from just admiring God or admiration of God to truly adoring or adoration of God. Why? This is very, very important. I want to make sure you get this. Why is this important? Because to admire something is to take for granted that we are on the same level. Think about it. When I said that I really like that guy who was twirling the fire sticks, I am saying I have the right to pass judgment on that. Of course, we think about it more often in negative terms. When someone does something wrong to us, we take the right to be angry. We take the right to be frustrated. When we are admiring something, we are claiming that we have the right to pass judgment on that. We have the right to express our opinion that our opinion matters. And when you are admiring something, that's perfectly okay. When you're admiring something, you're saying, I've got the right to pass judgment on it. I have the right to express my opinion. And we maintain the right to do justice with our judgment of someone or something. But my brothers and my sisters, when we adore something, we abandon all such pretense. Our thoughts lack our self-worthiness. We're no longer concerned with, wow, look at how good I am admiring God. But we realize our own insignificance when compared with the majesty and the awe of who God is. Pure adoration. It has no heart of defense for self. We have no right to pass a judgment on God, amen, and it, it brings God's fullness and God's greatness into view when we adore Him, and it contrasts how broken we are with His completeness. It contrasts our, our weakness with His strength. It contrasts how little we know, our ignorance compared with the knowledge of God. That's what it means to adore. It contrasts our, our feebleness with His power. That's what it means to adore our, our sinfulness with His holiness. When we adore God, we are saying we're, we have no right to pass judgment on God. We have no right to even say whether what He is doing is good or bad. We are just here to adore, to worship, to love, to care for. Amen. Because we adore God. To adore God is to acknowledge that He is so far above our approval that God does not need our approval. He does not need our help. Amen. You and I, we can't heal the brokenhearted. We can't set the captive free. We can't heal the sick. I can't heal a headache on my best day. Amen. I can't do anything without God. Amen. And I can't give God anything that He doesn't already have. Amen. 
But here is the cool thing. Despite all of that, as we adore God, as we worship God, God wants to be close to us. Can you get the significance of this? To adore God is to understand God needs nothing from us. God needs absolutely nothing from us. Our worship of Him or our lack of worship of Him does not change who He is. He doesn't need us. But here's the kicker. He actually wants us. He doesn't want us to worship Him because He needs something from us. He wants us to worship Him because He wants us to be close to Him. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to be in communion with us. And that is the beauty of worship. It's not that God needs our adoration. Not that God needs our worship. But that He wants us. And and I don't know about you, but that just boggles my mind because God is the creator of the universe, the holder of man's breath, the omnipotent one, amen. He has all power in heaven and earth. He knows everything. He sees my heart. He knows the number of hairs left on my head and he still wants to be close to me, to me, me, get your hand, to me, to you, to each of us. That is why we worship Him. That is why we adore Him. And as we all stand this morning, that is why we need to learn to worship God. Not because He needs it, but because He wants to be close to us. And it is through worship that we get close to God. And when we're just focused on praise, focused on the things that God is doing in our life, that's why we don't really often enter into that area. We don't feel like God is there. But when we begin to worship God, that's why, you know, Jesus taught us to pray. When he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He started with worship. That is why we open up with worship. We say, Jesus, I love you. I worship you. You're so good. You're so great. There's no one like you. Why? Because we want to get our attention of what is going on around us and get it focused on Him. Not because He needs it, but because He wants to be close to us. I wonder if we could do that for a few minutes right now. It is worship that enables us to get closer to God. It is worship that enables us to enter into His presence, to be able to feel close to Him. Jesus, I worship You right now. I love You, Lord. There is no one like You. Look, God, You are high. You are holy. You are majestic, Lord God. You are worthy of our worship, Lord God. There is no one like You, Lord God. No one compares to You, Jesus. No one, Lord. You alone sit on the throne. Lord, you alone are sovereign, Lord. You alone, my Jesus, hold all power and authority. And it's my privilege to worship you, to honor you, Lord God, Lord, with with all of my heart, my soul, my strength, Lord. Not that you need it, Lord, but you want it because you want to be close to us, Lord Jesus. Father, help us, I pray, to have a heart of worship, Lord God, to 
push past praise, Lord. Yeah, we can all thank you for the things that you've done, and we should thank you for the things that you've done, Lord God. But Lord, help us to find some time just to sit at your feet and worship you for who you are, Lord God. Jesus, we worship you today, Lord. 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 Praise Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Father, have your way in our church service the rest of this day, Lord God. Help us to be a people of worship, Lord God. Lord, as we have our worship service, Lord, help us to worship you with all of our heart, Lord, with all of our soul, Lord Jesus. Because, Lord, you are worthy of our worship. You desire our worship. Lord, you deserve it, Lord. We worship you today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our life class. We give you praise, Lord, as well, Lord, for all that you're doing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Praise the Lord.